This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing, and today I'm joined by Kelvin. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Andy. Hello, everybody at home. Hope you're all doing super fantastic, lovely. So if you've, not, um, yeah, it's got to be super fantastic, lovely. They're just super fantastic. That, that's just not good enough. So uh, you have been to boot camp, haven't you? Yeah. And, uh, you were doing a sort of a talk on um, how to have better marketing ideas. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to give us a, one of your wonderful brain dumps. Yeah. So, I mean, what I wanted to talk through today um, is based upon and sort of building upon a talk I did recently at the Search Boot Camp event in London, which is run by the lovely um, people at... Um, seo monitor but what i wanted to do is kind of take you through some exercises some approaches some ways of thinking about coming up with ideas because the reality is that for most of us in the world of digital marketing um it's very easy to get um technical skills and knowledge so you can listen to podcasts like this you can go off and find excellent tutorials that take you through a lot of the technical detail of how to do marketing but what I don't think gets talked about quite as much as it should do, or certainly I don't hear talked about quite as much as I would like, is the creative process. And what I find is that like a lot of the people who I work with in, in digital marketing, hugely creative people, but they've never really thought about how do I create an environment or what some of the methods I could use to encourage that creativity in, my, in myself, but also when working with other people. So if you're working brand side how do you get the rest of your team to kind of come up with good creative ideas so this is nice because we're normally talking about technical stuff yeah this is more kind of um psychological environmental stuff yeah i mean yeah it's a bit kind of like um process a bit but i suppose it's also about kind of like actually i think if you want to have successful marketing you need to have good ideas Mm. and ideas don't just happen right isn't it you know you there's you need to think about how you go about that and things you can do so i think it's you know, initially worth saying that, you know, there's so many tools out there. There's a great statistic that I like to to reel out in these kind of instances that came from Gartner. And they talked about by 2017, the CMO will spend more on technology than the CIO. So the person who's in charge of marketing, they reckon in most organizations by 2017 will spend far more on technology than the person who's in charge of IT. Mm. Um, and if you look at there's some great graphics out there from people like Chief Martech um, who show all of the different technologies that are available to marketers. There's never been more of them. That's a big change from when I started out in SEO particularly because there were far fewer tools. You might have had um, Zenu or Zenu Link Sleuth, maybe Yahoo Site Explorer, and then the Yahoo Keyword tool. But there's loads now. I mean, I, there's there's hundreds of just SEO tools out there, mm. tools that help you um, conduct better keyword research, tools that help you analyze what you're doing on your page, what changes you should be making, tools dedicated to reporting, tools dedicated to the local SEO, um, tools about competitor analysis, link analysis, rankings, crawling, suites that do some of the things, platforms that do attempt to do all of them. There's never really been more tools out there that you know help you do SEO particularly, but kind of all forms of digital marketing. On the one hand, I think that they've made our lives easier I think they've actually made it easy to forget what I think are probably two of the best tools that are out there. Um, what I reckon is, I'm putting my hand on my heart here saying the best two marketing tools, um, the best two tools that you should invest your money in as a marketer are Sharpies and Post-it notes. <laughs> because I think if you use those tools kind of inventively, you can solve most of the marketing challenges that you face. 
Um, because actually, I think that way of brainstorming, that way of thinking together, that way of working together is so important. And in fact, I think kind of it's so easy to get obsessed by what the tools allow you to do. Um, whereas actually, it's that kind of creative thought process that I think is probably more important. So I'm going to talk you through a couple of exercises, approaches that, that I've used, that I've seen used that work quite well. Um, a lot of them are kind of inspired um, heavily so by a book called Game Storming. So we'll put that link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's called Game Storming and that, they call that as a, a playbook for innovators, rule breakers and change makers. But the reality is, is that it talks you through some of these ones I've methods and approaches that I'll talk about now but loads of other ones as well. So if you're the kind of person who's been inspired by this, hopefully you'll go out and have a look at that book. But kind of ultimately that book and this podcast has an ambition really, which is to save you from crappy, rubbishy meetings and terrible brainstorming sessions. So if I've done my job today, Andy, by the, t- the end of today, um, everyone will you know, have a chance to, to save themselves from brainstorming meetings where you come with bad ideas or terrible meetings. Mm. Now I think, one approach that I like to use is always good to have an icebreaker. Now, I'm not a big fan of these kind of um, trust fools or any of that kind of random stuff. But one I quite like to do, if you've got a group of people together who you don't know or a group of people who perhaps don't know each other, if it's more of a focus group type one, um, I like to do this idea, and this is, again, taken from gainstorming, as a lot of these examples are, um, what's known as the low-tech social network. So what you do is you get everyone in the room um, and this works best on a whiteboard. Um, so Sharpies, whiteboards and post-it notes, you need the three <laughs> there. Um, and what you do is you write on the post-it note your name, right? So everybody in the room puts their name on the post-it note, pops it up on the wall and then draws the connections between themselves. So it might well be if me and Andy were doing it in a room, we'd say, okay, Kelvin records the podcast with Andy and you use that. So what you're doing is creating the social network of the people between the rooms. Like a social graph. Like a social graph. But it's kind of low, really low tech. For a minute, I thought you were going to say you put the post-it notes on your forehead. No, no, no. None of that kind of cheesy icebreakers are my ones here. It's more just a kind of like, if you're facilitating that meeting, it helps you understand the connections between the people in the room. Mm. If you're a participant in that meeting, it helps you kind of go, actually what are the shared relationships what are the reporting lines what are the relationships that people have between them so that's a good icebreaker Mm. i always recommend if you're going to have a brainstorming meeting trying to do something to kind of get people in the mood but then let's move on to the the session um properly so there's kind of three stages of um brainstorming um now a bit of the caveat here. Have you heard this one, Andy, that brainstorming is a politically incorrect term? I don't know if you've heard no, that. Well, no, I haven't, but it doesn't yeah, surprise me. Yeah, so um, sometimes people think that, you know, the word brainstorming pra- might be a little bit offensive to people with epilepsy. Um, epilepsy action um, have said that, you know, from their point of view and from the surveys they've carried out, that's not the case. So just caveat that one up there. But yeah, there's kind of three stages that you need to do in a brainstorming meeting. Um and an exercise, different exercises might achieve different aspects of this, but it's a good way of doing things. So what you do is you start out with the initial stage um, and the initial state. And what you're wanting to do is open things up. So you're trying to create divergent thinking, right? So you're trying to start from a narrow point. So what you need to do is set the stage, develop ideas, talk about ideas and information. It's all about opening people's minds, opening up to possibilities. So that's what your first stage of your meeting your brainstorming's got to be about opening, setting the scene so everyone's got the same context, opening things up from there. You then have the exploring phase, exploring phase, sorry, which is about emergent themes, right? So you're examining things, you're exploring, you're experimenting. 
And this is different from the opening phrase, because what you want to do is start off, get lots of ideas, then explore them. So you need to create conditions that allow unexpected, surprising, and hopefully delightful things to emerge. So that's a, a good stage there. Then this is the bit that I've typically been quite poor at, which is the convergent closing stage. Mm. So it's about bringing conclusions, making decisions, creating actions, and narrowing the field in order to select the most promising things and decide what to do next. So problems people can do is they try and um, close the ideas before they've explored them fully. Yeah. Um, or tried to close before they've even got to the stage of them. So it's almost like, you know, wanting to close the idea straight away. Or you just create all these ideas and there's no clear action point from the end of that. So there's, you know, kind of really want to cover all of those stages to successfully come up with some ideas. Because success requires you to open explore and then close so are you going to cover some techniques for opening and closing yeah Mm. um so just before that i want to go on and talk about kind of the seven p's Mm -hmm. um so this is kind of good to do and one i recommend doing if you're having lots of these meetings if you've found those really frustrating meetings where you've been there an hour and a half and nothing's really come of it um one way of solving that is establishing the seven p's right so this is the seven p's um framework again explored in um game storming uh, more details on it on jway.com so first of all you need to establish the purpose right so why are we going to do this what do we want to achieve in doing this because having a clear vision and being able to share it with all of the participants is invaluable in doing the right thing so this means limiting yourself and limiting the purpose of that meeting or workshop you know it'd be great if you could solve world peace or turn your business around or you know become a hugely successful business overnight that's not what you're going to be able to achieve in a 20 minute meeting or a 30 minute meeting clarify precisely what the purpose of that meeting is and you'll be in a much better space you need to also think about people so almost like these seven p's should probably be on the calendar invite that kind of type of stage so you as a person who's organizing that need to think about the people so who's going to participate um write down the names of those people And also think about the chemistry of those people. So think about the chemistry that you want to bring in, but also understand if there are personalities that might not be necessarily hugely compatible in your organization. Maybe have two meetings, right? Because don't let that incompatibility or that difference of opinion that they have ruin the meeting. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of know, oh, I can see that person X is going to end up with arguing with person Y in that meeting, have two different meetings, right? Because you want to treat it in a different way then you need to determine what the product is, right? So what's the outcome going to be? You know, are we creating a prototype? Are we, you know, starting a document? Are we making a decision? Are we making a action list? It needs to be tangible and you need to know what that is beforehand. So you're kind of going, okay, here's why we're doing it. Here's who we want to be there. And here's what we want the outcome to be. That's the product of the meeting. Mm -hmm. Then process is important, right? So how are we going to achieve it, right? So if this might not be something that you share in the full detail of, but kind of if you're going to do some of these exercises, you need to have decided that beforehand. What's the agenda going to be? What exercises are you going to do? Think about the process. Then set the preparation. So what do you need to do for the meeting? But what do you expect people to do beforehand? Mm. And be clear about that because, you know, if someone, if you say, I need you to read this document beforehand and then they don't, that's their fault. If you don't tell them or just attach that to them and don't specify, that's your fault. That's not theirs. Don't expect everyone to implicitly know the preparation that they need to do. Another one of the P's here is pitfalls. So before you go into this brainstorming meeting, before you go into the session, um, think about the risks that potentially could prevent you from achieving your purpose. So you've almost pre-identified them. You've put them in the open and then you talk about them and talk about how you're going to mitigate them. 
Mm. Um, and uh, we were talking about that a bit about kind of when we're talking about the personalities of the people. If you know that there's going to be an argument between those two people, you've foreseen that pitfall, you've mitigated it by taking a different approach. And then think about the practical things. So when and where, you know, do you need to take your Sharpies and post-it notes? So hopefully, if you do all of those, you're really well equipped for a good brainstorming meeting. So that's the seven Ps. The seven Ps. Purpose, product, and people. The process. So you need your purpose of your meeting. You determine the people. You decide the process of how you're going to get to the product. And then think about the prep, the practical concerns, and the pitfalls. Okay. So this is another good sort of opening question, which is the five whys. Have you heard this one before, Andy? So we've got seven Ps, and now we've got the five whys. This is whys as in W-H-Y-S oh, okay. rather, right, than, rather than the letter Y. Um, yeah. So this is a game that's kind of, or that kind of has a motive of moving beyond the surface of a problem um, and really sort of helps you solve problems more sustainably by addressing them at the source rather than the surface level. So um, basically it just kind of comes down to you asking a question, the question why, five times, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, maybe the first question I'd say to someone is, so why is, I don't know, why is our company going in the wrong direction? And they'd maybe say, oh, we've got a bit of a rubbish product. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, why have we got a rubbish product? And they'd say, oh, it's badly designed, right? Why is it badly designed? Uh, well, maybe because it's not tested enough. Mm. Um, that's part of the reason why it's badly designed. Hi, this is Kara Swisher, and I want to talk to you about my new podcast for the New York Times called Sway. If you want to know what people who hold power in our world are really all about, you need to hear how they answer the tough questions. And that is my specialty. And although it might get messy, as it always does, it's also going to be really fun. You can get Sway wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are available Mondays and Thursdays. And um, why isn't it tested well enough? Um, because there's no budgets for tests. Um, and why is there no budget for tests? Well, because the leadership undervalues testing, right? That might be, you know, that's yeah. a very simplified, easy one to go through. But it's much easier to solve the problem of, um, leadership undervaluing testing that's you know that you can see that there would be an action from that that you could do to yeah. respond to that then oh we just have a bit of a rubbish product how, how do you make the product better so it, it's that type of thing of kind of getting below the surface value and that's just kind of a really useful exercise to do it really weirds people out when you're doing it mm. um, but it's a good approach that's the five wise one that's a good one to do Another one that I like to do as well. So um, this is, and this can work really well for content as well, but it's good for businesses, which is the elevator pitch, right? Yeah. So this is kind of a time-proven exercise in product development that applies, you know, the idea of writing an elevator pitch. So people will say, okay, you know, elevator pitches, what's your elevator pitch as a company? And, you know, it's quite hard to do that. But there's a structure you can use um, to form an elevator pitch, which I think helps you kind of clarify what you as a business are trying to do or mm -hmm. what a content idea is trying to do or any of these types of things that you'd be doing brainstorming. So it needs to be short enough to sort of deliver in this fictional elevator ride, um, but also contain a compelling description of the product, you, you know, problem you're solving, who you'll solve it for, and one benefit, that key benefit that distinguishes it from others, right? So what would your elevator pitch be? So Here's a structure, right? So write this down. I'll share the slide notes with it as well. Mm. But um, 
you know, your product is for who is your target customer, who has what their need is, and then what your product name is, is a market category that, okay, let's, let's do this a different way. So we are for who, right? So that's your first question. Who are, you, who are your target customers? Yep. Um, who has what need? So what is their need that they're solving? Yep. Um, what your product name is, um, which category you're in, what your one key benefit is, who you're unlike, and what's your unique differentiator, right? Okay. So Netflix might be, I don't know, um, for movie fans who struggle to find good movies to watch, Netflix is a streaming service that is easier to use and has a wider variety compared to other forms of online streaming and then whatever their unique differentiator is, right? So it's just a good way of framing this kind of who you're for, what your customer need is, which category you're in, what makes you special, sorry, what one of the benefits that you have, Mm -hmm. how you differ from your competition and what your unique differentiator is. So I'll share the slide for that, but that's a, a good one of going through that, producing an elevator pitch. Okay, this next one, Andy, you're going to love the name of this. Go on, then. Um, it's the, the heuristic ideation technique. Horrible. It just slips off the tongue. Yeah, it? horrible name. Heuristic horrible name, yeah, technique. the heuristic ideation heuristic technique. Heuristic ideation technique. Okay, so this gets its um, name from heuristics, which there's a better name for them, right, which is rules of thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based on three of those. So a new idea... Um, so this, these are three rules of thumb. Um, a new idea can be generated from remixing the attributes of an existing idea, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's one rule of thumb. Um, a new idea is also best understood by describing its two essential attributes. So actually, if you can describe two things about an idea, you mm. can get a good job of getting understanding it. Summarizing it. Yep. And the more different or surprising the combination of those two attributes are, the more compelling the idea. Hmm. Right. So this is, um, again, it's a, a Sharpie or whiteboard type one. So you need to decide on two categories of attribute and form a matrix out of that. Right. So th- I'll talk you through this. So, for example, imagine a toy manufacturer. Um, they might look at its product line by type. Right. So you might have vehicles, figures and dolls, puzzles and instruments. Yeah. Right. So that's a way of classifying their product lines. And then they might also look in the other dimension, which is types of play. So racing, simulation, or construction. Yeah. So then you you draw your matrix. So across the top, I've got vehicles, dolls, puzzles, and instruments. Then going down, I've got racing, simulation, and construction. Yeah. Then you match up your matrix to see what you've got. So, um, okay, let's say in the vehicles column, so what a vehicle toy where the idea is racing would maybe be scale electric slot cars. Kind mm-hmm. of, that's an obvious one, right? Um, vehicles and simulations might be like a flight simulator, right? And then vehicles and construction might be like a model kit, yeah. right? And then you go dolls. Okay, so dolls, that's a type of toy. Um, what racing could you do with dolls? <laughs> maybe you do wind-up toys. Mm. And then simulation, what might be, you know, Dolls and simulation, dolls and construction, and you're doing puzzles and racing, puzzles and simulation, puzzles and construction, um, instruments and racing. Do you see what I mean? So you're kind of putting these two ideas together and say, okay, ah, what could we do by combining these two Yeah, you're sort of forcing ideas by means of a matrix, aren't you? Yeah, and 
Yeah, so that's a really good one to do there because you use that grid, you take it out, really good way of kind of coming up with new ideas off the Mm. back of that. Another one, this is one that's really, really good for content marketing. So this is called 635 Brain Writing. So this works best in a group of six, but can really work with any number. You need about three or four of you. Mm. Um, So again, it's one where you draw a grid and I can share a template um, online and there's a good tool that you can use for this as well. But essentially, um, you need to have a persona or something like that and say, you need to come up with three content ideas that will appeal to that persona, right? So you do idea one, idea two, idea three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got um, three, um, three minutes to do that, right? So you then pass the sheet with your three ideas to the yeah. person next to you. Mm-hmm. And because you're in a circle, you then get a sheet, three ideas on mm-hmm. Um and you then have um, another five minutes to come up with another three ideas. And your three new ideas could respond to the ideas that the person next to you's had, mm-hmm. respond to the ones you've had, or just start from scratch again. Mm-hmm. Then five minutes go, you pass it on again, and you've got to come up with three more ideas. So this happens like six times. Um, if there's six of you in a group, if there's five of you, it happens five times. Um, and then you're responding to the ideas that come before you. But by the end, you've got loads of ideas mm. sent off in directions that people you never would have thought of. But because it's done independently, no one personality can too heavily influence things. Yeah. Because it's good because it helps you distill the idea. So if it takes you 20, you know, five minutes to explain the idea, then it's too complicated. So that's good because you've just had to get it in that box. Mm. But it also stops any too opinionated people dominating proceedings. So that's a, a good one to do there. So that's 635 brain writing. Now, these are all great at kind of um, generating ideas. Yeah, opening up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then another idea is kind of this idea of post-up, right? So maybe the kind of, um, you might ask the question, you write up a question or a topic on the whiteboard, and then you ask the group to brainstorm ideas individually, silently, writing their ideas on a separate sticky note, right? So it might well be, what are the, possible product uses for product x or you know what are the different you know content ideas maybe you've used brain writing and each of those become a post-it note then what you then do is take those post them all up on the whiteboard and try and categorize them um so you're kind of asking them to sort them into these themes of ideas Mm. so there's a meaningful categorization process so So therefore it's important that each idea goes on a separate note presumably yes on for that side of ones so that's a good way of doing things so actually maybe all of these are about i don't know self-help so therefore you do them there another idea another way of then so you've got your ideas you've pulled them into themes Mm. um you know then you need to kind of prioritize them so there's this idea of dot voting um so this can work well if you kind of imagine those little you know round dot stickers you can get yeah. in little colors if you have your different topics your different ideas get everyone that they've got five colored stickers maybe and there's 10 ideas get them to choose which of those five that they want to do and they put their dot on the one they choose yep and yeah. that can work really well take it in turns and you end up with a prioritizing there none of that kind of pressure of raising your hands mm. um it allows you to do other ones as well another idea i like is this idea of forced ranking um so you have to get everyone to so say you've got five ideas mm. you ha- get them to um not score it out of 10 because that's a bad approach because everyone gives it like nine out of ten and yeah. you know make them say okay of these five ideas which is your favorite mm-hmm. which is your least favorite and which is the sequence so this is like, my favorite idea number one idea number two um so there's no scoring out of 10 you just have to say oh, i think this idea is better than that idea yes and then you combine all the scores to see the collective yeah. ones and that's again a really comparative good one, ranking rather yeah. than absolute yeah, yeah. 
And another way, another good way of sort of reality checking ideas is the nuff test, right? As so, in, I've had enough. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good, good, good state. Often at this stage, that's where you're at, right? <laughs> but for each of these ideas, this is another way of maybe prioritizing them. So you kind of say, okay, this idea, how new is it? Give it a score out of 10 for that, mm. maybe. How useful is it? Ah, uh, it's, it's an How acronym. feasible is it, uh, right? So a good idea is something that's new, useful, and feasible. feasible. Yeah. So that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour or some brainstorming ideas. Hopefully that's given you an idea of um, some of the ones you might want to use. Um, I definitely recommend tre- checking out the show notes. We'll show some of the kind of graphics that go with this that explain it a little bit better. But that game-storming book, really highly recommended. If you've got a job where you've got to kind of try and encourage people to have good ideas, you need to think about the way you do it. Because the processes, the approaches, the exercises you use will have a huge impact on the quality of the ideas that you have and then the likelihood of their success. Um, Because you need to think about that process because good ideas don't just happen. Mm. You need to create an environment where they're going to happen. And some of these exercises, some of these processes that I've talked through today, hopefully will help move you a little bit more in that direction. Brainstorming for me has always been, um, I mean, it's always been there, but it's always been a very kind of, uh, how do I say this, homogenous. There's not much structure to it. You just kind of, I always felt you just sat in a room and you with, with some, mm. uh, with a whiteboard and some post-it notes and you just all, you know, the, mm. the encouragement was to kind of not be limited in your thinking yeah. and don't be embarrassed. But this is really nice because it gives specific, it's almost like games you can do within the session that will really get some results. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of doing it. You're thinking about a, a, a game structure for encouraging those types of ones. And it's just really good to make that out, that closing, that prioritization bit is equally as important as the new ideas. I think we all, you know, personally, I, you know, I enjoy that coming up with ideas stage, but there's no value in those ideas. There's no action that comes from them. So I think that like things like the forced ranking to help settle arguments is good. Things like the nuff test that it can work really well in, in all kinds of environments, like, you know, even in software development and that type Absolutely, of thing. Yeah. You know, if you're prioritizing a new feature, how do you prioritize them? Are they prioritized by um, the time at which someone suggested them or are they prioritized by the, how easy they are to get done? Yeah. It's much better to think about, well, what's the impact that they're going to have? And I think, mm. like, is it new? Is it useful? Is it feasible? Quite a good framework for that. Fantastic. So um, thank you for listening. Show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash IM podcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher. You can also find us on iTunes. Now, Calvin, you're all good at this. Am I? Encourage the listeners to phone us on plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. Yeah, please do. Those questions are great for us for future questions episodes. We're gonna do more of those in the future. And also they always they get when you leave one of those messages, it gets emailed through to me and Andy. So um they always bring a smile to mine and Andy's face. So yeah, yes. pl- please do. We love those questions. Um and yeah, make for great episodes. And you know, we want to help you guys out, right? That's what we're here for. We're here to kind of share a little bit of what we know, but also kind of help you guys do your job a bit better, learn a bit more. The more specific we can be in that, the better chance we've got of, you know, producing it. If it's a question that you want to know, you know, there's the thousands of you that listen to this podcast. There are other people who want to know the answer to that question as well. So we help each other. Don't yeah, we? that's how it works. Karma, all that kind of thing. And you can also email us at podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. So that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Kelvin. Bye-bye. And we'll see you next time on internet marketing.